Hi everybody! Welcome back to another episode of Let's Play It By Ear podcast. I am Carrie, your your host, and here with my co-host is Joanna. Say hello! Hi everyone! So we are heading towards the... This is the second last episode of mm -hmm. Opus 3. Mm -hmm. And we've got something very, very exciting in store for you. So do stick around until the end. Yes. But before we get there, um, we have some interesting things to talk about between the two of us, I think. Because um, we started this season off with a question, whether or not we can compose. Mm-hmm. So mm -hmm. today I think we're going to start our discussion off with what were some things we learned in school about composition that we were told not to do, yeah. but still often hear. Yes. Great. So for me, um, I remember only two things, really. Okay. <laughs> so fill, fill, fill in the gaps um, sure. wherever possible. Sure. Uh, I remember that we're taught not to do parallel fifths and octaves. Yep. Um, unfortunately, those are personal favorites of mine, I have yep. to say. And like whenever I hear them in movie scores, I kind of get this like, tilt. It just sounds sounds good. Mm -hmm. I like those. It has a very open sound to them. Um, yeah. For those of you guys who may not know what we're talking about, we're talking about um, a succession of chords in which there is a perfect fifth, the interval of a perfect fifth in one chord. And in the next chord, it's like it's um, moving like upward or downward uh, those two notes are are moving parallel to each other so mm -hmm. it's going from an open fifth and they call it an open fifth because it sounds very open it doesn't sound very filled out and um, you're moving from a, a perfect fifth interval to another perfect fifth interval in another chord and that tends to have a very like open hollow sound to it mm -hmm. I would say. And so um, a lot of Western music as it developed wanted to have a more filled out sound. So that became sort of like a harmony faux pas, if you will. But I have to agree. I freaking love parallel fits and parallel octaves. Like you can do this for uh, fits and octaves. Yeah. It sounds really like not creepy, but like ancient, you know, yeah, and I think with with different sorts of support from the bass yeah. registers, I think, or the upper registers, there it. I don't know. I feel like it just gives it this suspenseful feeling in some ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You're driving the music forward still, but in a in a very different manner. Where, like, if you had like chords that were filled out da, da, right da, 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 something like that right. it would yes of course the music's still moving forward but if you had right. just a hollow sounding kind of mm -hmm. mm, it's like mm -hmm. what's gonna happen next what's gonna happen next it it's the same chills that you feel when people sing in unison or they sing in octaves together mm -hmm. yeah um yeah it has a very it's very it's like a lot of tension to that sound. yeah yeah exactly and um i i also really like it so um i heard a similar thing too it's um i forget the exact name of this uh this video game but like mm -hmm. i didn't play the video game myself i've only oh it sings Artonalico, something like that 
Um, you guys can look it up. Has some really crazy sounding music because it, I believe the setting of it is like based in the far future, but oh. um, it has like like almost like a ain't if you if you mixed up ancient and like psychedelic sounds at the same time. So um, their music, the music like kind of echoes that medieval sound and has a lot of the like parallel fits mm. movement. Um, and it sounds so good. And there's like a whole, they made up a whole language just for this video game, um, like a whole spoken language. So it, it has that kind of like to your ears because it's almost like listening to Latin. Mm. but it's not latin it's a whole nother like it's a whole nother language that they made mm -hmm. up for the game um and ooh, it sounds so good like it it definitely evokes like an ancient feel to it you mm -hmm. know and i feel like if composers want to evoke that feeling they can look back at like essentially that's how you know, a lot of Gregorian chant was sung, um, in, like in the medieval, medieval, right? I think it's the medieval era. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, like they might be faux pas in like, I guess, current, um, like harmony theory, but you can actually use it creatively. Yeah. Yeah. Would it would that also apply to the Renaissance period as well too, where you hear yeah. more of the open chords? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's Renaissance and medieval. Yeah, because I hear a lot of the open chords. I, I take to the Renaissance music a lot as well too. Oh, yeah, and also like Renaissance music has really good like low read stuff. Yeah, the yeah. down suites that that you mm -hmm. hear, they're they're yeah. they're good. They're something. <laughs> Oh, it's a, it like the sound of reeds, especially low reeds, lends themselves so well to that mm -hmm. like open sound. Mm -hmm. Ugh, it's so. Good. <laughs> uh, it like like, it's really only that particular era of music that has music that sounds like that. So yeah, well, I mean, arguably every era of music is defined by a kind of a, a set, yeah, sort of characteristic. Exactly. There. Yeah. But oh, it's it's really great to hear that kind of callback in video games because a lot of video games are based on like far past, you know, times or far future. So mm -hmm. um, especially the video games that are based on like old Europe or like old, you know, like they, they're based around like that type of like time period. Um, mm -hmm. It might be fantasy, but it is mm -hmm. based on that time period. Um, they hearken back a lot of the times to this kind of sound. Okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. It's really clear, like, when you listen to, like, a lot of uh, video game music, it's clear. You can literally hear the music history classes um, in the music. Like, you can you can hear it because you're like, ah, yes, this composer clearly went to school. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like, you, you know, like, and like, if you have also like, you know, learned this type of stuff in music history classes, you immediately pick up on it. It's like, mm -hmm. ah, yes, he's calling back to whatever time, etc. Which breaks all the current rules, but, you know, it evokes a certain time period just mm -hmm. from the way it sounds.
Yeah, but I mean, I feel like with modern music now, mm-hmm. I've seen compositions where it's just graphic. Yeah. And where, where are the rules then? Yeah. I. <laughs> How that... would you read that? Go like, Whoa. This is an interesting topic because I actually just got paid to play crazy music. Um, oh. And uh, I, it was, a lot of it was instruction on yeah. the types of things you can do. And then the notation was just a lot of like squiggles and lines, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and we had to have like a, we had to have a Zoom meeting about like what the composer, what he wanted me like to evoke, like what mm-hmm. feelings he wanted me to evoke, um, you know, and we talked about the specific techniques and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, definitely broke all the rules. A great rule that he broke is the tritone. So the tritone, this was a rule, I guess it was more so a rule in like medieval times. You really could not use this this interval, which is mm. uh, an augmented fourth or a diminished fifth is the same exact interval. Was uh, it thought of as evil? Yeah, it's called the devil's interval or the yeah. the devil in music, uh, Diablo in musica, right? I think I think it's that, and um, it because it's just so grating to the ear, um, and it's uh, it, it just oh, you know what I mean? Like if you if you Nails play it, yeah, it really has that compared to all of the other intervals. All the other mm-hmm. intervals sound really nice by comparison, but the tritone is just like awful and this composer asked me to figure out the multiphonic fingerings for a tritone (laughs) it's possible to do it but it's really hard because it is a tritone Uh so to have a naturally occurring tritone essentially because that's what like it's essentially multiphonics is when you're playing multiple harmonics at the same time right so to have a naturally occurring tritone is actually really difficult as well. So I had to look up a few fingerings online (laughs) to figure this out. And you have to like blow at a very certain angle for like the notes to come out and it doesn't always come out because it's not, it's really hard for that particular two notes to want to be played together, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, he wanted me to do a lot. There are a lot of tritones, there are multiphonic tritones in there and then uh, I think at one point I was essentially singing a tritone under me trilling on a note where one of the notes of the trill would create a tritone. Wow. Um, so like it's, it's a, uh, yeah, definitely that, that definitely breaks the rule is using lots and lots and lots of tritones without mm-hmm. necessarily resolving them. Cause you can use tritones if you resolve it correctly. We didn't resolve them. No resolution. <laughs> in Do fact, continue. Yeah. In in fact, like there's a whole part of it that I um, needed to improvise. So I just straight up used this tritone and improvised on this tritone the entire time. I applaud you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is, you know, you're supposed to resolve the tritone, but. I just improvised on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Breaking the rule and taking it further. Yes. 
Yes. Like that is essentially the point of that particular piece. I can talk about it on my own channel sometime, you know, sometime in the future. Um, but that's kind of the gist of it. Like I can't talk too much more about it, but it's pretty interesting. Like the fact that, you know, we're at a point in time now where you can take a tritone mm -hmm. and make that the crux of the music instead of something that you have to resolve out of, you know, is yeah. pretty fun. Well, I mean, this is this was a good introduction to that. So, when you when you post it, everybody go go have a watch and listen and see what that's all about. It's uh I'm actually a little bit nervous about posting it because I look like a freak and I sound like a freak <laughs> doing it. But well, I mean, tritone if it, it's based on a tritone, so yeah. Yeah. You're embodying that sound there. Yeah, like it's not meant to sound nice there you go you know like it's not meant to be a performance to be enjoyed you're not mm -hmm. supposed to enjoy the performance it's, it's an experience yeah yeah it's supposed to creep you out you know okay um mm -hmm. and uh it's really funny because i'm doing it in this office um <laughs> so like with everything around me i know with cute background. things around so everything looks like really normal and i just look like a freak in the middle <laughs> Even better, that, that juxtaposition you have there, that elevates it to the next level. Yeah, it does make it more creepy. Yeah. <laughs> it really the, does. The unexpected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had a lot of fun doing it. It was it was amazing. It was, it was because this composer um, found out from, you know, listening to my streams, he found out that I really love weird music. So he's like, ah, mm -hmm. oh, yes, you are the perfect candidate to play this crazy music that I just wrote. Um, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, speaking of, of writing music for the flute, then what would be some things you would want a composer to, to avoid? Uh, I mean, essentially these are like the frequent complaints, right? Mm -hmm. Of flutists and piccoloists for new music. So, um, usually it has to do with range so um some composers confuse the range of the flute with like a violin but we can't go as low as a violin the, mm -hmm. the lowest we can go to is a low b if we have the foot joint and not all flutes can go down to low b you either have a c foot joint or you have a b foot joint now c foot joints currently mostly show up in beginner flutes um starting from like intermediate and step up flutes and up um nowadays you'll mostly find only b foot joints so mm -hmm. but there was a time fairly recently i would say in the last 15 to 20 years a lot of step up and intermediate flutes actually had only a c foot joint um Professional flutes, since you can get them custom made, uh, some people uh, actually customize it so that it's actually only a C foot because they just don't play a lot of music that go all the way down to low B. And the extra weight of the B key can really offset, you know, the balance of the oh, flute okay. when you hold it up. Yeah. So for people who are like smaller, shorter, and who find, never find themselves going down to low B, what's the point, right? So the problem arises when a composer doesn't know that and they write things that go down to low B 
where maybe the flute is playing it literally does not have that key on their flute mm. right the the biggest um place where this happens though is piccolo music so a lot of new composers have no idea that most piccolos only go down to low d oh there's just straight up no foot joint um i have a special piccolo that goes all the way down to low b so um i guess i should actually go and grab it did you customize it no, I didn't. I didn't customize it. I actually, um, I I heard about it for a while. It's a, it's called a Nagahara Mini, um, and I, um, I, I bought it because it is cylindrical, not conical. Most piccolos are conical, meaning they're bigger at the head than they are at the foot, and um, I like the cylindrical idea because it makes it closer to the flute in terms of its mm. behavior and its tuning. Okay. The tuning and behavior definitely matches a flute more. Um, and for me, I find that I'm personally more comfortable switching between a flute and piccolo that like really feel close mm -hmm. to each other. So uh, some people don't agree with me and it that's completely fine because everyone's bodies are very different. So everyone kind of reacts to flute and flutes and piccolos very, very differently from each other. But um, I find that um, I like the fact that it's cylindrical and I wanted to future proof myself. So I was hmm. like, well, this piccolo does go all the way down to low B. And I have played enough new music that I know that a lot of composers don't realize that piccolos do not, most of the time, do not go lower than a low D. So, you know, this would actually allow me to play what they wrote, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I have actually been able to do it a couple of times. Um, play a low C on on a piccolo, and you're like most people will be like, "What the heck?" You know, like <laughs> that you can't play a low C on a piccolo; it just doesn't exist. But I have a piccolo that can do it. It can go all the way down. Yep. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I mean, do you want to see it? I can go grab it really quickly. Yeah. I just ran to get. The piccolo. So here's my piccolo. Um, you'll see that like it it doesn't go down very far, right? Uh, mm -hmm. This key is called the D sharp key because it actually opens a key back here, so mm -hmm. it causes you to play a D sharp. But if you leave it closed, then it's a D, right? So it only oh. goes down to D. This is the uh, other one that I bought. You see how much further down it goes? Wow. Whoa, it's a lot longer. It's a lot longer because you literally need extra length to go lower, mm -hmm. right? So um, the my D-sharp key is right here, right? But now I have these extra keys. So two of the holes are on one side, and then the last hole is here. So they've engineered it so that um, it you know, it, it's easier on your, your pinky to like mm -hmm. navigate here. So it is actually a little bit different than how they do it on the flute. But um, honestly, I actually kind of like the way that they engineered this together. Um, yeah. But yeah, basically this piccolo, the longer one, can play all the way down to low B. But the one on my right here, um, this one can only play down to low D. And this is the typical one that people have. I would say not that many people in the wider world of the flute own a Nagahara Mini. This is actually very, quite unusual. Um, it's getting more and more popular, but it is still fairly unusual to have a piccolo that goes down to low B.
It looks a lot kind of thicker too, though. Oh, quite a bit, yeah. Because this one, it's not tapered, right? This one is cylindrical yeah. throughout the whole thing. Whereas this one, you can actually see it gets quite thin mm -hmm, at the mm -hmm. bottom, right? You see that? That's a pretty crazy difference. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. Um, so, you know, if you want a piccoloist to play down to low B, you got to make sure they actually have a piccolo to do it. And it's not cheap. It's always good to, to ask beforehand. Yeah. You know, and when in doubt, just write down to low D. Like it, it yeah, don't. But anyway, that would be my biggest complaint. I don't want to take up all the time here. So what about you? What is, what is your biggest complaint? <laughs> I, I think I have two that I can share, but one would go for maybe the both of us. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. Mm. Um, as instruments that have auxiliary instruments as well, too. Mm -hmm. uh, with flutes being more than bassoons, right. we we only have the regular bassoon and then the contra bassoon. Mm -hmm. For flutes, you you guys have flute, piccolo, alto, alto flute, flute, bass flute. Bass flute. Yep. Um, I would say for com composers, it's just best to leave ample time to switch between instruments. Oh my gosh, you're right. because I have had music where it's like, should I cut out a few notes from the bassoon to <laughs> yeah. switch to the contra bassoon safely? <laughs> You or should are, I like, miss you have the to first put... few bars? Yeah, because you have two giant stands for it, don't you? But also, we have to unhook our bassoon when we're sitting down. Oh my! It's not God. a matter of putting it down. You have to unhook it. Oh my! Put it down, and then take the contra bassoon, oh which is on a very narrow peg for such a large instrument, and also not because flutes, you, your head joint is on already. Yeah, yeah. For us. We have something called the reed mm -hmm. that we won't put on the instrument when we're not playing. Just because if it falls or something, we can damage a reed. And if it's a good reed, we're going to cry. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I have my reed cases here. I can show you. This is my case that I usually oh. pull from. This is a larger one that I have. Oh, my God. And I'll try I love and show the you wood. the compartments inside. Uh, it's a little bit messy. I only have the, <laughs> pardon me. Oh, cool. So these are contra bassoon reeds and baroque bassoon reeds. So there's a side for that. And then oh, regular bassoon reeds, which I currently haven't filled in yet. Right. Oh my goodness. They are goodness. here. <laughs> oh! Um, yeah, but for us, we have to actually soak the reed, take it out from the, from the soaking cup. Soaker. Soaking yeah. Cup. Yeah. <laughs> I swear I play bassoon. Um, <laughs> and then put it on the vocal. So oh that takes God. an extra few seconds as well, too. It's not just bam, bam, and then play. Like you can... right, It's read off, oh. put instrument down, read on, take instrument to our, to us. Oh my... And hook it and put your hands on the right place. Yeah. Like, we can, like, swing a fast uh, switch if you have your instruments on your lap. Mm -hmm. so, and then on the stand, I've seen. <laughs> yeah, do not actually but... put it on the stand. No, that is so freaking dangerous. Um, the It's actually more, it's still dangerous, but it's not as dangerous to put it on your lap. You just have to make sure that you're sitting so that your, your um, legs are actually at a 90 degree angle so that mm -hmm. it won't like roll off. Yeah. I have the problem of being short 
So most chairs that I sit on, I am not at a 90 degree angle. So I end up having to like, if I have heels, then that's cool. But if I don't have heels, I literally have to be on my tippy toes, like Ooh. playing with mm -hmm. the piccolo down there. So I play like this and I have to go, you know, yeah. like it's really terrifying because like for me, because I'm so short, putting my flute down and then picking this up, I have to make sure my flute's not rolling off my lap mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. So it it's horrible, but it does take, it's a lot safer to put it on your stand kind of yeah. like what you guys have to do. It's a lot safer, but it takes longer. Yes. We we don't have a choice, unfortunately. We do have to. Oh my gosh. I don't understand. Some people have double stands. Yeah. yeah. Um, But still, it's a, it's a stand that you have time. to use. It yeah. does take time. So please, please um, give us the time that we need. Uh, some of those few, cl few close calls. Oh yeah, definitely. Those those fast switches can be really dangerous to your instruments. Like, mm -hmm. um, some people will look at that kind of thing and be like, "I don't care. I'm not doing it. Yeah. It's not worth the price of my instruments yep. to to make that switch." Mm -hmm. So like, you either give it to someone completely different who is clearly not playing the part right before right like s split it out into separate parts right or you're you're gonna have to you're gonna have to just sacrifice a few notes yeah it also depends on the tempo of the piece or the movement as well too because even if you gave 10 bars mm -hmm. but the piece or the movement is felt in one right those 10 bars go by in like three heartbeats like, exactly like you need to actually time how long it takes and like pretend that you are also taking a gigantic instrument up <laughs> you know and, uh, 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 you know and then and then yeah right like with colleagues next to you too you can't go boom oh, sorry yeah someone else exactly it's so true um many a flutist has been whacked in the face by another flutist you know uh, <laughs> it's uh yeah it's, it's a pretty common occurrence. So, <laughs> yeah, give give instruments and aux especially auxiliary instrumentalists extra time. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. goes with the entire woodwind section, really. It's so and true. certain brass instruments, too. Like oboe and English horn, yeah. uh, clarinet, uh, and there's E-flat clarinet. Um, a clarinet. A clarinet. C clarinet. Right. A cl yep. Bass clarinet. Yep. Contrabass clarinet. <laughs> too many <laughs> it's just yeah. too many oh my god yeah just just give us the time please yeah yeah my sure. my second um complaint if i can say mm -hmm. would be switching back and forth between clefs oh it's fine. it's fine to switch back and forth between clefs when needed to right. avoid excessive use of ledger lines right yeah but for compositions that switch back and forth incessantly or bar after bar when it is not needed. Like at that or, point. Or it's going like... to treble clef. Oh my god. I mean, For I you play guys. Piano as well too. I can read treble clef no problem. But on the yeah. bassoon, it's a, it's a mind twister. I mean, I play piano, so I can read bass clef. But if someone like, I have tried sight reading in bass clef on the flute. And I, it's like. I don't know why, but I, I can't really. Yeah, I can't really do it. Like, 
if I were reading it on the piano, like no problem. Yeah. But like if I was doing it on the flute, like obviously I'm, you know, transposing like an octave or two higher, obviously. Right. But like I can read it, but it's, it's just, oh, you know, like it's so hard. Ugh. Yeah. So Some, it, it's gotten to the point sometimes where I actually have to write myself like letters. Yeah. The letter names of the notes. Yeah. Right? Just yeah. to say, because sometimes the, the clef changes, the clefs are so small. I'm like, oh, yeah. The cleft change there. Why and if it's so often, it's like, ooh. Because the notes yeah. will look like they're all, like, around the same height. Yeah. Which, like, your brain would not process that contour as going higher or lower, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the contour of the actual notes themselves actually help with sight reading. Mm-hmm. You know? Not just sight reading, but literally just reading, you know? <laughs> so yeah. you don't get confused. Oh my god. I, I would say that we have it's weirdly the the opposite problem, which is that composers always try to like not always, but a lot of the new ones, they try to be really nice, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. But on the flute, we cannot read eight VA for crap. Like, you know, like we you prefer ledger lines we right? prefer ledger lines like all the way up to like high c high d like we're talking c7 d7 like really really high what i yeah like we would actually rather especially if it's with other notes we'd rather it just be a bajillion um ledger lines like it we're, we're just so used to reading it that way mm-hmm. um so like for example from what I can remember, there's like maybe only one or two instances of 8VA in like all of the French flute music that I have um, ever studied. Okay. All of it is just all ledger lines, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and like we so we get so used to reading ledger lines that when we are essentially told to transpose an octave higher, uh, mm-hmm. because the, the issue here is that all, all of the fingerings in the third register are different from the second register. But most mm-hmm. of the fingerings of the second register are the same in the lower register. So we've essentially trained ourselves that when we see ledger lines, we, we relate them to third register fingerings. Mm. Whereas if we see notes that are written in the second register, in the middle register, we've trained our brains to be like, oh, it's these fingerings. Mm-hmm. Now, if you gave us second register notes, but told us to play it in the third register, they're completely different fingerings. So we're like, yeah, uh, 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 what, 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 what is that note? Right? Like, like gear change, but without oil. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it feels. So like that, I think that's actually why we prefer ledger lines so we appreciate the gesture of composers trying to be nice and writing it 8va mm-hmm. but don't do that just give us all the ledger lines in the world <laughs> only to and flutes. Then take them away for us yeah yeah <laughs> only to flutes and piccolos give all the ledger lines in the world but don't do that for anyone else because apparently everyone else hates that <laughs> <laughs> i wonder i wonder about violinists so would they read in 8VA? I don't know. Underlines. I have no idea. Because be interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like I would say that, like we flutists, like just take for granted 
reading in ledger lines. Like, we just mm. get so used to it that, like, you know, you see three ledger lines, and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, that's a, that, that's a, wait, three ledger lines is an E. Yeah, E. e. Yeah, so high E, and then, you know, we just kind of, like, we're always counting in thirds with the, yeah. with the lines, like, A-C-E-G, you know, A-C-E-G-E, yeah. you know, and we're like, yeah, yeah. like, we, we just kind of, like, read like that. So you, like, you basically, you, you pinpoint the main note of, like, the phrase, and mm -hmm. you use that as your like reference. So anything up and down it, you're just basically counting from reference mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. what that note is. You get just you just get so used to doing that, you know. Like yeah, yeah. For for us, it goes of course in a different way. Going up, we've got tenor clef that we can use. So no ledger lines, please. Uh -huh. um, but going down, if you use tenor clef, our brain also goes like huh? <laughs> because going downward. We can read all the way, like using ledger lines to low B flat. Oh, and if you stick yeah. in a low A extension, you can play the low A. Right. Um, yep. We're okay with the ledger lines there because it's maximum like two. Right. Right, right. Or three with, with low A. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. But minimal yeah. number of ledger lines for, for bassoons. That's so interesting. Like for me, it's such a brain twist to consider like what, because we don't go low enough that they would you know that you would ever use like you know alto clef or something for us right like mm. treble clef is literally the only thing our like the only range that our instrument plays so mm -hmm. for me learning to read alto clef in theory class <laughs> was so horrible like it literally was just counting like you know mm -hmm. You know the 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 point in the middle of the clef, the, like like that point is C, right? So like for yeah. alto clef, the middle line is middle C, which really should be easier actually than treble clef. But oh my god, like I I felt like every time it was like a math problem to me. Like I had to keep counting. Like okay, okay, which note is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Ah. <sighs> Good times, but yeah, those are those are my two mm -hmm. two points. I love it as a bassoonist. I mean, that was basically my second point too. Was um was the the eight VA um mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think it might be a good time to reveal a little something, a I little something so. something. That we kind of we wrote we basically wrote it in completion. Uh, we did. Should I should I share it? Yes, please show everyone. So back in the very first episode of this season, mm -hmm. if you hadn't watched it, go do do go check it out. Yeah. We challenged ourselves to a little activity called composing. Yeah. <laughs> um, what we came up with is a I think a five second jingle. Mm-hmm. For this podcast mm -hmm. in all its glory handwritten glory oh boy here it is oh my goodness there it is so what we're about to hear now is is what we've put together this is actually us playing yeah um to be fair carrie did most of the work um every part that is not the flute is carrie <laughs> Oh, because I had I have the instruments at my disposal, and uh, yeah, and the, the flute that that's me, <laughs> that's it. And then I slapped all the parts together because 
and it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's a part you know how to do. I mean, okay, I, I will be, I need to be transparent. Okay, guys. We didn't plan for this to be our final thing. We thought we would probably like do a few takes and stuff. But after like, okay, I retimed like one little chord in the, I think it was one of the percussion instruments. Okay. I, I retimed it just by like two milliseconds or something like that. Okay, so there was some post-production in this. I'm just going to be clear, okay? There was a little bit of post-production. But it turned out so good that we're like, why would we do another take? Like, it's just, it's so good. Spoiler alert, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Well, now you can be the judge. Yes. So, shall we listen to it? I think okay. I need to. I'm going to switch over to Fantastic. my magical device here. Wonderful. All right. Are you ready to play it? Yes. Okay, here we go. In three, two, one. <laughs> That's us! It's just so cheery. <laughs> That's us! Oh, I think so too. It's just, it's so happy. I feel like it's a really good representation of us. Yeah. And it's probably in our favorite key. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Flat. when uh so i slapped it together um basically the day you sent me your yeah. tracks because mm -hmm. i was like i was recording over top and i was just like i i'm the type of person who likes to hear like a somewhat put together part and mm -hmm. hear what i'm playing on top of right because i play more in tune that way and like, I didn't want it to be like a solo, you know, standalone track of me playing because then I probably would not be playing in tune with you. Because the issue that I teach a lot of flutists is that because we're up on the top, um, it actually doesn't really matter what our tuning is because even if we're correct, if we're not in tune with whoever is lower than you, you we the flutists will sound out of tune. Mm. So I was like, okay, with this in mind, and especially because you're playing the uh, piano and the bass, the, the, the bass part, so on bassoon, um, mm -hmm. I was like, I need to make sure that I'm basically in just intonation, in pure intonation with you on the mm -hmm. bassoon. So I was like, okay, I need to, I need to play with, you know, Carrie's bassoon part. But I did notice that the piano part kind of filled in the cracks, right? Because don't. Right. So like because it filled in the cracks, I was like, OK, so that part will help me like um, or it filled in the chords. That's what it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the piano part filled in the chords so I could hear the chord more so I could kind of hear where I fit in. And then yeah. right, it was the bassoon part that does the rhythmic bump, beam, bump, yeah. beam, right? Uh, parallel octaves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> parallel octaves. So but like because. I could hear you filling in the beat and the piano part like filling in the chord. That was exactly what I needed. Then I was mm -hmm. like, well, if I'm going to do that anyway, I'll just slap the other like percussion parts in there too, you know? Um, 
so that's what I recorded on top of um, so I could hear everything and then my part would fit in really nicely tuning wise like just intonation wise and also um, rhythmically it would fit in because mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. be able to actually like predict <laughs> yeah. you know what what was being played um, and then so I intended on just sending Carrie my part but I was like sounds kind of cute together though and I kind of like rebalanced the parts because some parts were too loud and some parts were too soft so I like rebalanced it really quickly and then I sent it over to Carrie over WhatsApp and I was like here like I was in disbelief when you <laughs> sent it over though like no <laughs> I kept listening to it over I was at work when you sent it and I was like Ten times, yeah. again and again. <laughs> I just think, is this us? Yeah, it's like it just—it sounded like a from a TV show. Yeah, it does. And I was just like, "What? The, we sound professional. We are professionals." Yeah, what? Who don't compose? I know. Oh, uh, I think we proved ourselves wrong there. I think we did. I think we completely proved ourselves wrong. Like I was thinking that it was not going to turn out like you know i just just didn't think it would turn out so professional sounding that's the thing yeah like i really didn't think that it was gonna be that cute like i i still can't stop listening to it and my percussion instruments were children's instruments (laughs) being a former early childhood educator Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the wood block but you know, it goes to show if you know your stuff, you can make an instrument really out of anything. I take that. <laughs> it's like at the it. bottom of it, it's good rhythm and good intonation. Mm. If you have those two things, you're pretty much set. To be fair, I recorded with a metronome in my ear, though, so I had a click track. Mm. Mm. You know conductor basically you have to have a conductor for several parts Mm -hmm. the conductor was the click track that's why it was so easy to put together i think there was like only one yeah it was one of the percussion instruments i just had to kind of like you know and then it was like perfect yeah it's probably one of the bells because i'm still not used to the that delay yeah there's a that was it is i had to move it up just a hair because you probably pressed it right on time but the delay in the sound yeah 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 See, that's another thing, guys, is the delay of the sound actually coming out. So for for some instruments, you actually have to anticipate that. Mm-hmm. It's pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why you go through training. Yep. That's why you practice. That's why you rehearse. Exactly. Right. There you go, guys. Well, that's our little we jingle. It. We did it. Hope you enjoy that jingle because you are going to hear it a lot more after this (laughs) yeah let us know what you think yes all right well that concludes today's um episode we hope you Mm -hmm. guys enjoyed what you heard um well i think it's time for our outro let's see if i remember everything this time this time i remember that we have a website a website that (laughs) i designed and I clean forgot about the last time I did this outro, but it is let's play by ear.com. 
on there you're going to find all of our episodes on there it's split up by seasons by opuses um in like you know their own sections so it's pretty easy to find what you want there um and we are also on the social medias we're on facebook uh let's play it by ear podcast we're also on twitter at let underscore ear though our full name is still let's play it by ear podcast and on instagram we're also at uh let's play it by ear podcast exactly mm -hmm. um to listen to us if you are already here on youtube thank you for watching please subscribe um if you are listening head on over to youtube.com forward slash uh, I believe it uh, is it for no just look up let's play by ear <laughs> podcast yep. on YouTube and it will show you the different exactly opuses too yeah exactly okay. so um subscribe to us here over on YouTube but we're also on as uh Carrie is showing to the camera we're also on anchor.fm forward slash let's play by ear uh dash podcast and um that actually uh distributes out to several different um podcasting platforms so mm -hmm. i believe like google is on there and like spotify is on there as well so if you already have a platform that you listen to podcasts on likely you can find us there too so anchor.fm um forward slash let's play it by ear dash podcast awesome. you'll see which platforms it distributes to mm. great and did I? Oh, my God. See, I forgot something again. Uh, well, if you want to um, contact us, share your story, all that good stuff, please email us at letsplaybyear.podcast at gmail.com. Um, if anything in these episodes, like, really, like, you really related to and you want to share your story, we want to hear them. So please share them with us. Great. Okay. I still forgot one thing. It's okay. One of these days I'll get it right. Well, in the, whatever. Um, in any case, we shall see you guys in the next episode. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. -bye. See you then.